laboriously pronounced opening statement. Welcome to Eveningdale. Flight 19, lost since 1945, briefly landed on the recreation center earlier today. The middle school soccer team was found to be unharmed, but now they can pass through solid objects. A murder of crows was seen circling the temporary landing site. Their cause were reported to have sounded frustrated. Further progress was made on the station in the woods earlier this week. Mayor Stephen Occult last name issued the following statement. Unfortunate citizens of Eveningdale, we are proud to announce that the station in the woods again has its southernmost wall. We are still moving forward with the filling of the thing's footprints. Eveningdale Parks Department has assured me that all traces of the incident will be wiped from our history. Old Lady Sylvia Remains was seen again running down Main Street, screaming in a language no one yet knows. If you have any information to her whereabouts, please contact Sergeant Mysterious Name at the police station. Here is a one-liner about another 14 topic. Fuck it. Let's just say in a practiced, over-enunciated tone that fish rained from the sky. Black helicopters are currently circling the veterinary clinic. There is no sign of little Lucy Ermintraut's puppy snuffles, or the supposed vaccine for the all-consuming plague little snuffles carries. Dr. Ermintraut, Lucy's father, was not available for comment. A new report from Evening Dale University has revealed that in upwards of three-fourths of clouds are actually semi-opaque flatworms. They feed on lost planes and chemtrails. There is no report yet on what they are planning up there. Yet another one-liner about a presumably normal thing that takes a paranormal slant. The local turtles are now made from marzipan and can be seen stuck to the Mill Creek Bridge in syrupy, sticky, alliterative adjectives to trick you into thinking this is good writing. 
beware the tasty terrapins. We just received a report from a reliable witness that yet another pointless chunk of paranormal esoterica has been mentioned on a podcast. There will be no follow-up, and please do not look for any plot development. I want to take a moment to thank the people out there for donations that keep the show on air, and for the various science fiction and conspiracy writers which I took all the concepts in this show from. Until next time, I'm essentially a paranormal jukebox. Good evening. episode of the Alex Cast is brought to you by Sarah. For all the times you need someone named Sarah, talk to Sarah. Hey guys, it's me, Alex. And I am here in the echo chamber, that's right, the room with the creepy door, to talk to you a little bit about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Mormons. Yeah, I don't really have much. They wear weird underwear. Wife swappers. Good for them. Upstairs lady is listening to choral music, and it sounds like the rapture is happening. I enjoy this muchly. What can I tell you about this week in order of things that are unimportant? First, hashtag Apocalyx is the new thing. I finally started my ministry, the cult has begun, and we are hashtagging Apocalyx. I will put it on the show notes. Tweet that. Send it. I want that to trend. It's not going to, but nothing would tickle me more than having something that incredibly stupid trend on Twitter. Yes. This came from, I didn't just bring that up to get it to, um, to do a trend thing. I want to tell you where that came from. Where that came from, my darlings. Is the whatcast.libsyn.com. It is a show that I was just on and we talked about some occultism, some tarot, we talked about the origins of evil time-traveling Barack Obama. Apparently, Barack Obama, our president of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. God bless America, stars and stripes, let's go fucking eagle. So, the what cast is a good show. That's got Mateo and Mike on it. They've both been on the show before, and I've been on their show before, but I wanted to give you guys a little, you know, a little hip to it, because, well, fuck it, I never mentioned things like that on the show. 
on that note, here's a few more things I want to tell you about of my life in media. And then I'll talk about like an actual good subject. I got a nice little, nice little bit about sacred geometry coming up. What I wanted to tell you about now as well is go to, um, the higher side chats.com, maybe higher side chats.com, but I, you know, go to iTunes and search for higher side chats. That was the show I was talking about last week that I went on and was talking about occultism and tarot and other stuff, which sounds like these are similar shows, the webcast and the higher side chats. Uh, my appearances were quite different uh, between the two. Uh, some of the topics did overlap, but I don't think there was a lot of there wasn't a lot of overlap as far as um, actual content. There was uh, just kind of subject wise. Either way, listen to the both those. Um, if you like them, make sure to tweet at those people at the podcast at higher side chats. And yes, that is good. Uh, hashtag apocalypse. It's so stupid. And if you go to paranormal people online.com, that is the great Martin J. Clemens. He did a little review for periphery, which I thought was very nice. You know, I thought that was nice because one, Martin has traffic going to his website. And two, I wrote a book called periphery and that's the one we're referencing. So he actually got people to look at a picture of my book. How cool is that? Now, unfortunately, because all of you people are mouth-breathing simpletons, none of you read, so this will translate into nothing, as everything translates into nothing. Everything is pointless, useless, and it's just screaming into the wind and having your voice carried back at you until you become so hoarse and so frustrated that you just fall onto the ground and let the sand cover you. You become just another desiccated corpse on the giant pile of what once was humanity bereft of all soul and all moisture until one day the quitsack hatterack will come and they will say what name do you want and he will say what is the small mouse the mouse that jumps and they will say that is called moadib well then i should be called paul moadib 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 that my friends it's from dune i think i may have said some of that on the last episode yeah, so anyway, I just want to tell you that. So check me out on the Whatcast, thewhatcast.libson.com or go to HiresideChats.com, thehiresidechats.com. Just actually, fuck that. Go to iTunes or whatever your podcast provider. Go and download those. Make sure to leave uh, fun uh, messages if you want to leave an iTunes review. That's always helpful. Uh, I know people don't really understand that, but when, you, when we do uh, podcasts, uh, mine included, so I would love if you left a review, but iTunes doesn't actually rate you on how many downloads you get. They rate you on how many new subscribers and how many um, reviews you have uh, or how many reviews you get on a certain period. And there's some permutation thereof. And of course, it takes into account how many downloads you have. But the point is, it's very helpful if you leave reviews. And since I've been on two different podcasts, both of which, um, you know, uh, get some good listens, the Higher Side Chats is a much larger show than mine. And uh, the Whatcast gets a good number of downloads as well. So... It would be, now would be a good time if you want to leave me or the Higher Side Chats or the Whatcast a nice message on iTunes. That could actually get us bumped up enough to show up on New and Noteworthy or something. And then it gets bigger and better. And then I forget about you guys that were here in the beginning. I'm just kidding. You, of course, will be part of the ministry. And uh, you will be, as as later, there was many, many followers of Jesus. But you will be my disciples. You will be the original dozen that carried this message into the wastelands and touched every heart and every soul until finally the night became as black as sackcloth and that sackcloth was rent and upon the world an apocalypse was brought forth the apocalypse hashtag apocalypse 
I'm going to stop saying that now. So those are fun shows I was on. Yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, yeah. And then ParanormalPeopleOnline.com. Uh, that's Martin J. Clemens. Wonderful man. Uh, he also writes for Mysterious Universe. So you'll see that. Uh, I often post that stuff to Facebook.com slash AlexCast, which is where you can find me on Facebook or you can go to AlexCast.com. Click around on everything. Everything's useful. Everything's helpful. Uh, there's writing on there. There's links to my books. There's links to some art that the fans have done. There's links to everything. Everything. And yes, there is that. Here's what I want to do now before we get to sacred geometry, before I talk about the other thing that I have written down somewhere on this piece of paper that I was hoping I would see before I finished the sentence. My hopes, unfortunately, were dashed. Mr. Mateo, a.k.a. at Dreckface, made a little bit of audio for us, and I would like to play it for you right now. What is this It's like a back zit. It's like a loud part. It's like a back zit. It's like a loud part. Yes. Well, thank you, Mateo, for that fine, fine thing. And I'd like to thank you for Sherwin Sleeves, even though he's never going to hear that, who wrote the original Alice Cast song, because there's nothing we like better as creators and artists than to be insulted via parody song. You stupid son of a bitch. You are no longer part of my... What did I, what did I call you guys before? The, the original 12? The Apostles. You're no longer an Apostle now. You are just... Um, a, uh, what, what else would it be? A follower? Yeah, just a follower. What else do they call them? They, Christ had disciples and apostles. Yeah. You're just going to be a disciple. And that's unfortunate because you had potential. I, um, I quite frankly pictured you astride a river of blood in the center of a major metropolitan area, arms raised to the heavens screaming out in some eldritch tongue lamentations and prayers for the dead, saying, you could have been saved, you heathen scum, but now, now it is time for the apocalypse. <laughs> I'm going to stop saying that, I swear. The what cast? Welcome to Wormhole. Yay. And now the rapture is starting again from upstairs. Wonderful. So, the concept going here is the Ouijot. might actually be called the Eye of Horse, or you may know it as the Wajet, the Wajet, the Wajet, the Wajet, the Wajet, or you might know it as the Eye of Horse. So, the Eye of Horus, uh, you know from pretty much anybody that's ever seen anything Egyptian. It's the, uh, it's essentially an eye shape in the center 
with a downward kind of projectile under it. It kind of looks like a, a rose with a uh, what is improperly called a thorn on the side. And then there's a, a, a little kind of downward swooping, almost monkey tail shape and an eyebrow. So hidden within this is the secrets to the ancient Egyptian sacred geometries. If you look at this picture, I'm going to put, uh, I found a nice um, infographic for it on uh, Wolfram Alpha, which um, Wolfram Alpha is the shit, if you're not aware of it. It's, um, it would be too hard for me to explain. And anytime you hear me say it'd be too hard for me to explain, it means I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. A little uh, secret language for you there. Anyway, so if you look at it, um, you can see the uh, breakdown of the various fractions. So it goes, there's, there's, you can see within the design of the Ouijat, the one half, one fourth, what comes next? One eighth, sixteenth, thirty second, sixty fourth. And it's the six parts of the eye of the god of Horus. So you can, oh man. I wish I hadn't done this on a show that doesn't have a visual element. I'm just going to put a link to this and you guys can look at it because actually I think this might make, uh, this would be easier to look at, but essentially the, the, well, let's read what they say on this. So each of the sacred unit fractions, uh, which the ancient Egyptians attributed to the six parts of the eye of the God of Horus, one half, fourth, eighth, 16th, 32nd, 64th, which I could have just read those instead of trying to do incredibly simple math in my head, which took too long. These reactions, all with powers of two in their denominators, were used to represent the fractions of Hikhet, the unit of measure for capacity of grains. According to a legend, the pieces were lost in a battle and restored by the god Thoth. Thoth. I just mispronounced it even though... Shut up, Alex. So, if you look at it, uh, so the idea is that these are um, units of measure for grain. But if you look at the... Okay. God, this... This isn't one of those that I'm, I'm struggling with because I don't understand it. This is one of those I'm struggling with because it's hard to word. There's, okay. You know what the Fibonacci sequence is? It's, uh, Fibonacci sequences, essentially. You add one number to the next one in the sequence as iterated by counting. So it goes zero plus one is one. One plus one is two. Two plus one is three. Three plus two is five. Five plus three is eight. Eight plus five is 13, 13 plus 8 is 21, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that's the Fibonacci sequence. You might refer to that as the golden ratio, the golden mean, the golden spiral. This is something that shows up everywhere in nature. And if you watch that expression of that math as it blossoms out, you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, where it goes from, um, what did I just say? 8, 13, 21, 21 plus 13 is 34. So like you, okay. So if you watch that now, that's the, so if you look at, um, let's say it was a good example, like a, a snail shell, that, that circle. If you look at the, the, the very first point of the inner part of the, of the, um, snail shell, you'll see that as a zero. That's your zero point. And if you add one to the unit of expansion, then add three to the unit of expansion, you'll see it starts going wider and wider in a circle. And that wider and wider in a circle is the Fibonacci spiral. The Fibonacci spiral, the Fibonacci sequence, the sacred spiral, whatever, just fuck y'all. It's close enough. <laughs> these are, these are represented in, uh, the Ouijat in, like, if you look at the little loop on the tail, that's a representation of the sacred spiral. So what they're trying to demonstrate, or not what they're trying to demonstrate, what they're kind of transmitting in what is essentially a holy symbol 
is advanced mathematics, which you might think, well, fractions aren't that advanced. They're pretty goddamn advanced for 3,500 fucking BCE, you know? So there's that. There's also, um, this is also present in the Ankh, um, which I'm not going to look up right now because there's actually, it gets complicated because the Ankh goes even further. So the Ankh has the same thing where it's like the size of the spiral at the top, the distance between the top kind of circle area and the crossbar section. These are all represented. You can find essentially, you can derive the golden mean from, from that shape. So in the, in the symbols are given kind of the, not the hints, but encoded in the symbols is the math behind the, the spirituality, the math behind the religion where the Egyptians built everything with these numbers in mind because one, you know, when they call it the sacred geometry, like one is the sacred geometry is on one level only sacred because it was a hidden thing. It was a, it was literally a cult, a cult meaning hidden is that they were quite good builders, but that was their secret. So them knowing how to build these things, because if you build something with, you know, the, the sacred math involved or, you know, knowing the Fibonacci sequence will build a, a solid structure the same way. That's why nature occurs this way. That's why it's in a snail shell and in a, um, uh, uh, you can see it in a, in an artichoke, the way that the, the leaves of an artichoke starts sprouting out or in a sunflower seed, it shows up everywhere because it's, it's a way to fit in a lot in a small space. And it's very strong if you incorporate it into, into architecture. So the difference between math and, and religion isn't then it's a they're both kind of these hidden forms of knowledge these these kind of uh, um initiatory processes so while on one level you can look at the eye of horus and see it as a symbol for just a religious symbol on the other side it's a symbol for the sacred knowledge that's either given from the gods or just the knowledge of the architects and the smart people but then the other layer is to it that you know if you ever look at you know, pharaonic rulers, you'll see they've got, you know, the, the monkey tail drawn next to their eye. Like they've got the Ankh next to their eye. What they're doing is kind of in, in a sense, becoming the mathematics that they perceive in the universe. They're becoming kind of the math of God to get over the top and weird, but they're, they're calling forth the fundamental powers of, of nature, of the universe and, and using it as math, but then using that math as a, as a, as both a, as both a, a, a symbol and a direct, both as a symbol and both, a, and a, and a direct tool, you know, it, so, so when you have, you know, if you have the Ouijot, you know, let's say you have a Ouijot tattoo, that's both a reference to the God, it's both a reference to Horus, it's also a reference to the the knowledge base that's surrounding the believers in Horus. And then there's and then on top of that, there's the later kind of occult side of it. Like so that that symbol also represents luck and uh protection and things like that, which doesn't really go into the, the sacred geometries too much. But um yeah. So anyway, it's it's super interesting. There's a whole bunch of uh there's a whole bunch of other ones. If you look at the the Great Pyramid. It's encoded with a bunch of, I mean, you can, I think you can actually, there's a, listen to me kind of hem and haw here because there's so many bad theories about the Great Pyramid and I stopped myself there wondering if this was one of the shitty ones, but I think this is one of the real ones is that you can actually 
if you look at the length of each side and then kind of like multiply it by the top as um as those being a unit of like like they their unit was the um what did they call it it was the length oh, they had a unit of measure which was cubit they were just essentially from the middle of your um your elbow joint to the tip of your finger that was a cubit and there's various sizes of it. They kind of had like almost a standard size one. But anyway, if you look at that as a unit of measure, you can look at the, the, like the sides of one of the, of the great period by the height and you can figure out the circumference of the earth from those numbers. Now, whether or not that's just overthinking things, that's up for you to decide. Like, I'm sure if I was good at math, I could look at the chair in my room and figure out, you know, like, oh, that's a representation of the distance to Alpha Centauri. So therefore that's the aliens built my chair. But that's, it's involved there. And they're all over the, the temple complexes. There's, there's just tremendous amounts of these kind of references to the, the sacred geometries. And then the further side of that is, um, like the Merkaba and the, the, which is, just look up the word Merkaba and try to find the best, try to find a site that's the least, um, the, the least likely to have a link to where you can buy crystals on it. And you can find there's actually really, really interesting backstory to this of, uh, the Merkaba is actually the, the kind of third dimensional aspect of a fourth dimensional physics being, it's kind of like fourth dimensional physics and understanding being pressed into a third dimensional object. And it, they call it a, um, uh, yeah, just look up Merkaba. It's, and you've heard me talk about it on the show before. That's the thing from when I had weird Egyptian people talk to me in my head, which of course, crazy but the point is it's it's super interesting and yeah they're just kind of overlaid everywhere and it's really interesting to see for, for on my side it's interesting because how much of it is i'm looking at my chair and i figured out you know the distance to alpha centauri and how much of it was their planning because some of it was their planning it obviously was like this eye of horus the fractions hidden therein that was known well, I don't know how well known it was, but it, it's a known thing. I, like archaeologists would say this. This isn't like crazy people like me saying it. I mean, also crazy people like me are saying it, but you know, people that have a have a PhD will say it as well. So yeah, it's interesting if, to think about how deep it runs and how deep the sacred geometries actually go into their world, and how much we're kind of overlaying the two. You know, how much we're saying, well, now we know the like, okay, now we know the circumference of the Earth, so let's try to. Let's go back and, you know, see if that's inherent in the Great Pyramid. Who knows? But if you're thinking, but Alex, you know, that's the Great Pyramid was, you know, built a shitload, shitload years ago and everybody thought the Earth was flat. Well, no. No one thought the Earth was flat. It was, uh, that's a weird kind of, after the fact it was written about, forget who they call responsible for, but it's like a famous, you know, it's a, it's a, like a fiction writer was just kind of making reference to like how backwards people used to be. And they said, you know, the, the reference for it being backwards was that the earth was flat. The Greeks knew it was round. There was actually this really great thought experiment. And well, I mean, I guess technically it's not a thought experiment because this guy, I think actually did it. Yeah, he did. So there was a dude, ancient Greek guy, and his name is ancient Greek guy. If I were someone that had a bit more of an ego, I'd pause here and look it up or edit in afterwards and pretend that it's like, ooh, look how smoothly Alex remembered that, but I don't remember the guy's name, nor does it matter. But he figured out that essentially on the equinox, he dug a hole, looked down into it and saw 
where the shadow lie in the hole, and he realized that there was no shadow on the equinox because the sun's directly ahead. So what he did was figure he knew a town uh, that was X number of miles away. I'm sure they didn't have the term miles back then. And he looked on the equinox from there, and he realized that there's a small amount of shadow. So he put essentially just put a stick down, measured the distance of shadow, and then extrapolated it because now that you have you have enough. Now you have the function of seeing that in 500 miles, there's this much drift. How much drift would it take to kind of cycle back on itself? And he figured out that the Earth was 25,000 miles around, which I'm not, I think, I think we think now, I think we know now that the Earth is like 24,000 something or that part I probably should have looked up and said smoothly because that's fucking stupid that I don't know how big the Earth is. But either way, he was like within like, he was within like 500, 1,000 miles. I mean, really impressive shit. And that's from digging a fucking hole and putting a stick in it. So, you know, I, I've got no, I don't have much of a problem with uh, the Egyptians kind of encoding the distance of the earth in their Great Pyramid. But I also don't have much of a problem in us being way too impressed with the ancient Egyptians and then kind of um, putting a lot more stuff on them that they didn't necessarily believe in. But I don't know. That's for you to decide. And for me not know. God bless you guys. God bless you one and all. So that was, um, yeah, that was, I wanted to talk about sacred geometry and I did because I told somebody I would. And look, let's face it. It wasn't the best segment I've ever done. Um, certainly wasn't the worst, but we can do better. We can do better. There was, Again, a thing that I'm meant to talk about in this episode, and I certainly didn't do it. And, um, yeah. Oh, it was to be a nice little half an hour Alex by himself solo episode. Really, the only reason, not the only reason, but the reason I wanted to do this one was for my little, little fun thing I put in the beginning, the, the Welcome to Evening Dale parody. Because, well... Guys, I I hate that show a lot. And it's not that I hate that show. I mean, that's definitely part of it. But I hate how popular it is. It, I want to feel good about humanity. I don't want to think you uh, just a, a bunch of troglodytes. The fact that there's that many people that like that show makes me sad. Now, I don't mean any given one of you that likes that show. It's certainly not what I'm getting at here. I know at least four people that I, that I very much like as people, and I would trust their judgment in entertainment that enjoy that show. So I'm not saying that on any given one person level, this is, this is, uh, Something that I'm going to be, uh, you know, poo-pooing or shitting on. But the fact that it's so massively popular and it's, it's dog shit. It's just a sequence of slapdash thrown together pseudo-esoterica. And I find it insulting. I, it's, it's, it's the, it's the show of a user. It's a... It's cheap tricks. I said it in the little joke in the beginning, not joke, but the little thing where it's, it's, 
now I'll use alliteration to sound like I'm a good writer. It's just transparent trickery. And it makes me sad that it's being so well rewarded. Now, I've heard people give me the argument that I'm just jealous of the show. No. I'm not saying that I should be that popular. I'm not saying... No, that's it. I'm not saying I should be that... I'm not saying that I have a better show than... No, I am. I'm... This show is better than Welcome to Night Vale. Sorry, it is. That show blows. But I'm just... I recognize the level of kind of mediocrity that that thing is. And it annoys me. And it annoys me as a 14 and it annoys me as a writer. And somebody told me that it's popular because Will Wheaton from Star Trek likes it and tweets about it all the time. Fine. Good. Will Wheaton, my newest enemy, sitting there with your fucking sweater with the goddamn clown on it, if I remember Fark from about five years ago correctly because I don't really know a whole bunch about you. In fact, you actually seem like a really good guy, so I think this, I think this whole me having a, having a grudge against Will Wheaton's not gonna be all that, it's not gonna last that long, cause, I mean, honestly, he seems like a nice guy. I just, I just, you know, his taste in the one thing. But yeah, that's it. That's not, I, it's not even, here's the thing. It's not even, it's not that bad of a show, even though I just sat here shitting on it. It's not. But it's not a show that it is in any way deserving of what, of what it has. It's, it's cheap and easy and cheap and easy is fine. It just, it just makes me sad that how quickly cheap and easy becomes this kind of accepted norm almost. And, and it's fine. It, it's fine. But when it's cheap and easy on subjects I love, I take it personally and I will fight my one man fight against Welcome to Nightville because God damn it, the, the, the legions upon legions of Alex Castians can can go out and and say fuck you. We're not gonna listen to you anymore. Though I would put level level money that just my little parody of it in the beginning and talking about it now has certainly given it more uh, listeners than if I had never brought it up at all. Now, not to say that I'm giving Night Vale any listeners that would any number of listeners that would actually affect their ratings at all or you know rankings because they are a juggernaut. Uh, but you know, the seven people that might tune in is, um, yeah, there's there. So, oops. I mean, really like what you want to like. I just, I don't, I don't like kind of pop esoterica becoming so popular. It's, this is the same annoyance I had when ancient aliens got really popular where it's just like, oh, you're ruining it. Stop. You know, and, and, and welcome to, actually now that I'm comparing to ancient aliens, welcome to Nightville is actually probably a pretty good show. Because I didn't really think to compare it to Ancient Aliens. I actually could probably like it a lot now. But if I didn't compare it to Ancient Aliens, I stick by my previous statements. But, yeah, it, it's just when you when you hit so close to home, you know, this must be, must be what it feels like to have feelings or emotions still. I don't remember what those are like. I killed them all. In the Great Holocaust. The Alpine. I'm not saying it again. Um... I think maybe after the uh, Apocalypse, apoc I'm going to have the uh, Alpacalypse, which is going to be just like a whole bunch of alpacas, and those just be adorable and fun. Oh, okay, I know what I can talk to you guys about. Uh, this is this is a fun one, and it has nothing to do with um, with uh, Welcome to Eveningdale, or whatever the fuck I call that beginning part. Uh, I've been, I caught up a little bit with this so I could 
uh, when I was going on Higher Side Chats, uh, there was kind of a talk that maybe we'd bring up Gnosticism. Gnosticism. Um, maybe that guy on maybe that guy in Night Vale has a point. If I slowed down everything, one, I probably wouldn't need to scramble to come up with topics. Two, I might be able to pronounce words correctly. Now we'll talk about Gnosticism in the park down by the old broken down riverbed. There is a Gnostic church. Do not go inside the Gnostic church. Do you see how fucking easy that is? It, it's, ugh, fine. I don't know why I'm so mad. I'm not mad. It's just, I think maybe it's just I don't really get mad at stuff all that often. So it's just when I get the opportunity, I just want to jump on it. I think that's probably really it. That's like, I think like that's probably 95% of my annoyance with it is just, I don't really, I don't get mad at stuff all that often. So when I get a chance to be a little bit annoyed, I'll go for it. And even then it doesn't even last that long because I'm already kind of thinking like, eh, I feel a little bad. You know, he's just some, they're just a bunch of guys just trying to make their way in the world. I mean, we probably would get along. We like the same stuff, you know, we'd probably like each other. You know, they're, they're from a book publishing company. Hell, maybe they'd read my book. Maybe they'd like it. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why I'm mad at them because they haven't read Periphery. But you can't be mad at everything because everything didn't read Periphery. Back to the point. Gnosticism. This is a word that's been thrown around a whole bunch, and I wanted to tell you guys what Gnosticism is. So if you don't want to learn about Gnosticism, this is, you know, uh, don't, don't, um, you know, just, I'll see you next week. Actually, not next week. Uh, Sean McGann's coming back on Wednesday, so this is going to be a, a two-episode week, unless he's he was feeling slightly ill. And no one cares about this, so, except for Sean. But anyway, let's talk about Gnosticism. So, the Gnostics existed... <laughs> so the Gnostics essentially, uh, they were around Jesus-y times. Uh, the ones that I'm referencing, their works come from a thing called the Nag Hammadi texts. Have you ever heard the story about how they found the Dead Sea Scrolls? If you ever hear the story of how they found the Dead Sea Scrolls... So, yeah, this is the almost the exact same story with the Nag Hammadi text. So, um... Some poor, you know, farmer, something, you know, moisture farmer on Tantoe, looking around and he finds some, uh, some jars and they're full of really old, um, papyrus or, um, uh, vellum or something, you know, some kind of, some kind of papery thing. And, uh, doesn't know what they are. So of course he uses a couple for, for, um, fuel for the fire, which I think that same thing happened with the Dead Sea Scrolls. But anyway, somehow through whatever mechanisms existed, they found their way into scholarly studies. And uh, in those works are the first time we have heard, we as in you know scholars, have heard from a first-hand account what the actual Gnostic beliefs are. Previous to that, we'd only known Gnosticism as something referenced from the, you know, essentially from the enemy. Um, <clears throat> so it would be like, um, oh, this is, okay, I'm sorry, everything goes back to fucking Hitler, but, you know, it's the, the Godwin's role, but it would be like if Hitler had won the Second World War, uh, trying to figure out what Judaism was from just their writings, you know? Not that severe, actually. Let me, let me kind of amend that a little bit. It'd be more like, um, yeah, that's close enough, fuck it. Um, no, because they were, like, villainized. Maybe it was more like, um, 
no, here's a, here's a great one. It would be like trying to, um, what the barbarian uh, spiritual police are from Roman chroniclers, where they're not trying to shit on them, but they're kind of shitting on them a little bit because they're not Roman. That's a better way to put it, but you kind of get where I'm coming from here. So previous to finding the Nag Hammadi text, this is what we know about the, about the Gnostics. So it's quite important that they found them, and it turns out, really, they did have a pretty pretty good grasp of what their belief systems are and what the books were, but I mean, it added certain flavors. So what is Gnosticism? Gnosticism is this. Okay, the word Gnostic is Greek for knowledge. So the Gnostics believe that through knowledge and study, uh, you can kind of ascend to the next level or whatever, or whatever terminology you want to use, become bodhisattva, um, stop being reincarnated, go to heaven, whatever, you know, that, that terminated, you know, enlightenment, whatever the term you want to use. So their main beliefs, and this is where it gets kind of sexy, is the God of the Old Testament, um, Yahweh, is essentially a demented evil God that's a product of incest. That he is, uh, he is essentially evil. They call him the Demiurge. Uh, they call him Yaudabaoth. Yaudabaoth. I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, but Yaudabaoth. Now, the Demiurge, Demiurge in, in Greek is, uh, like architect or builder. Now, so essentially saying that he is, he just built the earth. He didn't design it. He didn't, like, he's just the, the, the artisan of the earth. He's not, he's faking being the real head god he's speaking being god he's just more of a he's more he's more uh he's he's lower middle management uh but evil so the story goes like this the gnostics believe that there's a divine source uh that is the unknowable god or the unknowable source energy it's the i mean it's the unknowable is the best way to put it it's the it's the it's the you know, the great argument between, you know, uh, um, religious thinking and scientific thinking is the, you know, the Big Bang at the beginning. And then the, uh, you know, where did God come from? Where did the Big Bang come from? The divine source in their terminology is kind of almost that, that kind of that unknowableness. Not to say either of those are unknowable, but you get the idea where it's kind of you start of you start to lose the ability to speak about it in any kind of way that's useful. You know, in science, at least, it can come down to, like, severe maths, but, um, which I've been listening to too many BBC podcasts, now I'm calling it maths. But, uh, so the unknowable God. So, his, or, and not his, part of my use of his, English doesn't have a good gender-neutral term for that. I don't want to say it's, but sure, it's, it manifests into the universe in the eons. They're essentially, there's a bunch of different numbers, but the one that I read was there's 32 uh, aeons, A-E-O-N-S. So there's 32 aspects of the source God that kind of are the next level down from him. These are, these are kind of the knowable, the knowable concept forms that are manifest from the unknown deity, the unknown divine source. Of these, the last of the aeons, the last of the aspects of the unknown is Sophia. Sophia is wisdom. You know, uh, like philosophy is lover of wisdom, philo, Sophie. So Sophia is wisdom. 
So she desired to know the divine source. Now, this is an interesting kind of thing because there's multiple ways to take this. So let's just do it this way. Is that she desired to know, wink, wink, the divine source. Now, there's another one that she desired to know the divine source in a, in a Sophia way, in a philosophy way. Either way, she becomes pregnant with, with a child. This is either through that the incest thing, which isn't the common term, but I like, I like Jehovah being this kind of, um, demented incest kid. It's just, I think that the metaphor works and I'll get to it later, but like the Gnostics kind of have, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll get to that later. But, um, so she becomes pregnant with it or her very desire to want to know the source God, the source, the, you know, the divine source essentially kind of tears a hole in the heavens and allows for the demiurge, the builder, um, the Jehovah, Yaudabaoth to, uh, to create or the, the tearing did the creation. This is where it gets weird because there's dozens of different variants of the story and we'll, I'll explain why that is later. So anyway, the, Essentially, we find we were down to Yaudabaoth creates the world. And when he creates the world and creates kind of um, humans, uh, kind of creates humans. Uh, one of the stories is that he creates a man and man is uh, soulless, literally man thing with a penis is soulless. There's nothing there. So Sophia takes a form of herself and brings essentially takes chunks of the divine spark with her. And then, you know, uh, goes down to the garden, uh, garden of, uh, of Eden and with that divine spark kind of puts the divine spark into all humans. And so everybody's walking around with a chunk of the source creator, you know, the, the, you know, the, the source God, the divine source, the unknowable. And the way to kind of get rid of that spark, which is you, your soul is to, is through gnosis, through learning. Um, no, not get, get rid of it. You know what I'm saying? Like to, to shed your, to shed this, this, this meat sack that you're walking around. And as, as, as you've heard on the Alex cast, I have a very kind of Gnostic way of viewing the world in a certain way. The, the, what I refer to as the entropic meat sack. You get to shed this, this, this thing you're walking around in. And that's, you can shed it through gnosis. Now, the version of Gnosticism that is kind of, popular now and it and it, it shows up everywhere i talk about crowley a lot but uh, the oto has a bit of it in there like the the hermetic uh, tradition from hermetic being hermes trismegistus that kind of mixes in with with gnosticism but anyway let's just stick with straight gnosticism so the one that's kind of popular now is that jesus and this is uh, you can actually see it in the gospels the kind of canonized gospels now i forget which one kind of i think it's I think it's Luke. It's the one that doesn't reference him getting killed. It doesn't reference the crucifixion. Essentially, Jesus wasn't the the son of God. He wasn't the one thing that God uh, put on the earth. He wasn't this special thing. He was just a son of God, meaning a religious man, a teacher, a, a, a doctor of philosophy. So what he did was he attained divinity. He, he got to the point where he could liberate himself from the entropic meat sack through learning and, you know, through, through knowledge, through, through gnosis. So that's, that's kind of the story of Jesus. So he wasn't this singular person. He was just 
an example of an enlightened person kind of kind of like um when people when like when people go refer to buddha they think of the fat guy or whatever well that's not the buddha that's not the first one that's not um who we call siddhartha gautama now um which there's a theory that that's not actually his name blah blah, blah. but anyway the fat guy his name is like like hanoi or uh uh yeah hanoi or something like that that's a that's a later buddha but it's one of the buddhas it's well, the point is buddha is a, is a title it's it's he's he's an enlightened person so in the in the way that we refer to Buddha and we're thinking of a different one, but it doesn't matter because it's the title, we should be referring to the a Jesus or or a Christ. Uh, you know, he's he's just somebody that became enlightened and you know tried to teach other people to do it in a very you know in the Gnostic way. It's you know he tried to get the divinity you know trying to show the parts of you that are divine, part of you that are part of the divine source, and you know of course it just didn't translate very well. So I mean that's essentially the the that's essentially Gnosticism. I mean, there's a whole, I mean, but everything else is, there's so many variants of permutations. Well, the other thing is that, um, humans, uh, when we were created, there's, there's another variant, which I don't really understand how it works, but essentially in humans were created and then Yaudabaoth kind of, I guess, I guess humans were created by the kind of the source God or whatever. And then, you know, with, with these, um, divine spark in us but then Yaudabaoth kind of I guess tricked us into getting into be more like base animal like and that we were supposed to be better than the the demiurges and the like we're supposed to be better than the physical manifestations of the aeons but I don't really understand how that works maybe if any of you guys out there are you know more well versed on the Gnostic thing than I am could explain that to me because it's kind of confusing. I don't really understand where humans come from if we were meant to be. But anyway, going back to earlier, the reason that there's so many permutations of this story, and this is the cool thing about Gnosticism, is that once you're kind of f free of the meat sack, I mean, you're still walking around it, but like when you're on your way, you're kind of, you're invited to become part of the story because you're now, because you are part of the divine spark, you are essentially, you know, part of the, the unknowable, you know, divine source, you, you, you're invited to kind of write yourself into that story to kind of, you know, put your own spin on it, if you will. And that's where there's so many different permutations of it. And I think that's kind of interesting where they recognize the metaphor for what it is that in the, in the, you can almost sense that they don't, they don't think that there's an actual yout about. They don't think there's a Sophia. They, they think that this is a, a really usable, useful metaphor for the kind of various non-physical forces, you know, that are, that are at work in the world. And I think that's cool. So then you kind of bring your own spin to it and kind of, you become, you become your own Christ. You know, you, you, you teach the way that you think the teaching should be done, you become, you know, a son of God, if you want to do the Christian version. It's also uh, Jewish, uh, Judaic um, Gnosticism, which, um, look, I'll tell you the truth, I still don't understand that one either, because if, if, well, okay, maybe I do. My understanding of Judaism is that, you know, a lot of the crap that I think of as the Old Testament is their, is their teaching, is their background story. So if Gnostics think that their God is a, you know, an inbred drooling evil thing. I don't know how you could possibly be Jewish. 
and Gnostic, you know? It's like, it always confused me like Jews for Jesus, whereas, well, why don't you, I mean, isn't that just Christian? I mean, isn't, I, it's Jews for Jesus. Like, it's just, it's the Old Testament plus Jesus, and that's just Christian then, right? Maybe? I don't know. Anyway, very weird. Um, yeah, I don't, again, I hope maybe one of you, if any of you know about this stuff, and can correct me. I would love to hear it. Uh, get in touch with me. I'm at the AlexCast on Twitter. Uh, AlexCast at gmail.com. Uh, there's also, um, you know, those are the two best ones. I'm Facebook.com slash AlexCast. But really, AlexCast at gmail is one of the better ways to get in touch with me. Or just go to the website. I'm sure you can find There's a whole bunch of contact information on there and that kind of shit. But I would love to hear from you. Um, if you're like some kind of Gnostic expert, I would love to have you on the show and we can talk some Nazism because I know what I said just now was quote unquote right not in that it was um complete at all uh most of it was probably wrong but it's you know as far as a in an overview kind of uh fashion I think I pretty much got the story right actually I know I got the story right but I would like to hear from somebody that's Especially if, I don't know if there's any, you know, practicing Gnostics out there that I, that I talk to, but I would like to hear what your specific version is, like, nowadays. Because, what you know, what I'm referencing is kind of scholarly uh, references to it. Because there is a, you know, there's a flourishing Gnostic community in the world right now. And I'd be curious as to what the modern ideas of it are and, like, how they, you know, especially, I would like to know what their practices are. But, uh from a scholarly, you know, um, what I just said was like, yeah, you, if we were around in like 400 CE, 300 CE, um, yeah, I would definitely be fucking, I would know what's up. I wouldn't know how to say it to anybody because I don't speak any of the languages back then. Like, I don't, I don't know any Coptic. I don't know any Hebrew. I, you know, I know some, I know some Latin. So maybe if you give me a few months, I'll go back in time, give me a few months and I'll, and I'll report back as to my findings of, of how, uh, how, Gnosticism was reported back then. Oh, Alex. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably just about it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, get in touch with me if you want that. And then, uh, going back to that higher side chats thing, I heard from, uh, quite a few of you quiet ones, uh, after that, um, kind of complimenting me on the appearance. Uh, thank you for that. And I just wanted to kind of put it out there again that I really do like hearing from the fans. Uh, I, that's the, fa- I hate the term fans, but from the people that listen, I do like hearing from you guys. I, I truly do. So if, uh, you know, if you have anything to say or if you just want to write me and just literally just say the word hi, you know, I just go to Twitter at the AlexCast and say hi or, or AlexCast at Gmail. Cause don't, I mean, I get to see the numbers of how many people download it and that's awesome. Thank you. I do enjoy those are those are good um cuz uh, cuz it's like wow that's that's more people than should listen to this show so that's badass uh but it's nice to have uh it's nice to put a it's nice to put some text <laughs> with it you know it's nice to put a uh, some you know some personality to to the to the the nameless void that I am throwing my voice down once or twice every week so that'd be good that would be good well yeah, that's, I think that's just about the end of it. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. I do very much like you guys, and I hope that soon, uh, when the ministry is fully in, uh, in its 
in its ministrations and its I gotta learn more words for uh Messiah messianic stuff. So um yes, okay. So when I have been anointed uh in the oil of of destruction of the modern society, and I'm standing upon the smoldering rubble of the city on the hill. I want you to remember that the apocalypse is upon you. And to drop to your knees and beg forgiveness to the great god S. Sophia, the Aeon. Beg the divine source for some kind of retribution from, from the horrors, from the, from the jihad that, that will wipe all of this from the planet that will, like, like Lysol and germs, I will, I will spread forth and all things will end. This is a really shitty cult I'm starting. Cause pretty much the only thing I've come up with is the word Apocalypse. And that was only because on the Whatcast I couldn't think of a word for that. Cause I was trying to come up with like Alex Apocalypse, but the X's are really tough, so I had to put it on the end. So that's the only part of the cult. Oh, and we figured out that I'm gonna need to, um, to start, um, uh, with orgies. I think there was something else too. Maybe some, maybe some, uh, oh, ritual sacrifices and orgies, but, yeah, so this cult kind of blows already, but the fact is, there's no fact. <sighs> I've been Alex. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's it, it's fucking amazing that anybody listens to this shit. It's it's. I mean, thank you for listening to it. Honestly, I would listen to this because it's it's. If if I wasn't me, I'd be fascinated by this fucking weirdo that is saying this shit to you. This this struggling boob of a man that is talking. But, um, yeah. Thank you for listening. Um, I will be back later this week, if not uh, next week, with Sean McGann, and we'll be talking some good stuff. Remember to go to alexhas.com. Uh, go to facebook.com/slash/the-standard-pdx. I will do the full commercial. Uh, next week, but that is that. And thank you for the fine people at Welcome to Night Vale podcast. I um, appreciate your. Uh, I mean, I didn't ask for permission to use the music, and I certainly didn't ask permission to parody it. But I mean, you're a public figure, and I think it's perfectly allowable. So thank you for that. Thank you for everybody for um, for tuning in, and thank thank me for being so terrifically interesting. And saying the exact same thing 40 times. And thank you for Sophia for birthing forth from your festering weird womb this yaudabouth, messed up, incest, god, quote, unquote. All right, that's been it. You've been the audience. I've been Alex. Uh, have a good night. Rest in peace, Dave Brocky, Odorous Arungus. You know, Guar's not exactly a band I've been listening to in my adult life, but high school, like me some Guar, so... Rest in peace, big man. Cuttlefish Cthulhu. Rock over London. Rock over Chicago. Wheaties. Breakfast Champions. <laughs>